Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey, and it's so great to have you guys joining us for another great episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Aubrey, we have, uh, a, I mean, a powerhouse who mm. is having a conversation with us today. He blew me away with this conversation. It's really, really good. His name is John Anwuchekwa. Go ahead and awesome. start right. You'll have to look in the show notes or you'll have to look at the actual title list if you want to go and Google search him. It is pretty phonetic. Anwuchekwa. Love and it. He's, he's the pastor of Cornerstone Church in Atlanta. He's an author, a podcaster. He's the co-director of a church planting network called The Crete Collective. And he's also, this was I, I thought was so intriguing about him uh, because he's very entre- entrepreneurial in spirit. And... Um, and, and I've got a whole nother thing I can talk about when it comes to that, but I think that that really helps him be so effective in mm. the space that he's ministering in because mm. he's having to figure out how to enterprise and how to help other wow. people in that space. Yeah. But he's the co-founder yeah. of Portrait Coffee, which seeks to, this is uh, what their mission is, to change the picture that comes to mind when folks think of specialty coffee to include mm. the black and brown folks who have been cropped out. This is wow, actually from their website. This is what they say. And I think that's so powerful because there, it's not often that you see enterprising specialty coffee shops emerge out of impoverished urban areas. Yeah, that's and right. And it's a really incredible trade that can, um, and business model that can, can so create cool. some, you know, some wealth and, stop systemic poverty cycles that are happening oftentimes in those spaces. And so that's what John is doing in conjunction with pastoring his church in that uh, urban context. He's married to so his awesome. wife, Chandra, and they have one daughter, Ava. And this is just an incredible conversation with him. Um, he he wrote a book out of the loss that he experienced. He lost his brother, Sam, wrote a book mm. called We Go On, Finding mm. Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. Sound familiar? Wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. uh, sounds a little like nothing is wasted, That's I right. think. That's right. And it's out of the book uh, of, of Ecclesiastes. Little known fact, so Ecclesiastes good. was one of the books, one of the books that I was reading in my quiet time right after my late wife passed away. It was very, mm. uh, in an interesting way, it was very helpful. Um, yeah, I could see that. Ecclesiastes can feel kind of... Yeah, depressing. Well, you know, from an right. existential standpoint, it's like kind of <laughs> right. hopeless. But uh, yeah, it was very, very helpful. And and he does the same thing out of this book. It's really great. It's really great. Oh, so good. Well, I cannot wait for us to listen to your conversation with him. Before we do, Davy, I wanna I wanna share something that somebody posted on the Nothing Is Wasted community platform. Which, um, you know, if you go to nothingiswasted.com slash community, that we've got this brand new platform that's been launched and people are uh, making connections there. Uh, They are accessing some of the content that we have. But also one thing I love about it is meaningful conversations are taking place. Later, we're actually going to talk about one of the questions that uh, somebody asked on the platform. But I want to share just something someone really encouraging, something someone really encouraging said on the platform. And it was this. Um, I was on my way home from work and looking for an Apple podcast to listen to on the long drive. I stumbled upon Nothing is Wasted. 
After listening, I bought the 42-day devotional to help guide me. I just finished day two and love it. Wow. Thank you for living out the purpose God has for you because it's trickling down and healing others dealing with their pain. I'll be praying wow. for you. I think that means for you, Davey, and for the ministry as well. But that's from Heather Turner. Isn't that cool? Wow. Heather, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we I always appreciate that when people are commenting on the community platform, asking questions on the community platform, engaging. I mean, the, the reason that we developed this platform is because when I was walking through a very, in the aftermath of my wife's death, I wanted to talk to other people who had experienced mm. a similar or the same thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like acutely even, you know, down to like one of the most helpful relationships that I had was a guy in our city named Todd Erb who had lost his wife and his daughter to a murder. No way. And so he knew all of the things that yeah. I was dealing with, I was going to be dealing with. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a yeah. therapist. He wasn't, but he became the best coach and mentor for me. Mm. Um, he loves Jesus, a very strong mm. follower of Jesus, very wow. reputable, you know, name and business owner in our city. Wow. But he he just wrapped, you know, wrapped his arms around me. And then later, wow. me and Christy, as we were navigating the remarriage thing, he and his wife, Kathy, and we've had them on the podcast. They've shared their story, but that, that wow. is... That is why we developed the community platform, because you might be walking through something right now where you're like, I want to talk to somebody else who's who's been down this road. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. I can't find that in my church body. Maybe I can't find that in my community. Right. Maybe I can't find that in my small group. Maybe it feels like nobody else understands, but this is a place where you can find that solidarity. Yeah. We call it Me Too. Now let's move through, right? I love that. Me yep. Too. Like, I get it. I'm, I'm there with you. Okay, but let's not get stuck here. Now let's move through. And so that's what we are trying to create on this community platform. I want to encourage you to engage, ask questions, have conversations. Our certified coaches are engaging there. Uh, Aubrey just taught a a master class a couple of weeks ago. That was so fun. Yep. That was awesome. So you can, uh, you can find out how to get access to all of that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great platform. We'd love to invite you It is you a great place to be. Well, uh, we're going to actually talk about one of the questions that was posted on the platform when we return, but let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with John Anwu Chekwa. John, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Oh, glad to be here, man. It's an honor. Okay, okay. First order of business. We got to know yeah. how to pronounce your last name. All right. <laughs> it's it's intimidating until you look at it and break it okay. down bit by bit. Okay. So it's Anwu Chekwa. Oh, Anwu yeah. Chekwa. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's exactly the way it looks. It's easy. Anwu Chekwa. That's what I'm saying. It. Once it's Love done, it, it's easy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Mm. Well, you know, I know that um, I know a little bit about your story, and and I, yeah. I know we were just kind of chatting right beforehand. You know, a little bit of my story, and this is a conversation that yeah. neither one of us would have wanted to have. We wouldn't have wanted to meet under these conditions, right? Um, and yet, there's something beautiful and redemptive about as we experience loss, how we can help other people in that. You know, Scripture Absolutely. says that that God comforts us uh, so that we can, with the same comfort, comfort other people. And, Absolutely. Um, and so, man, I'm I'm just thrilled and honored that you'd be willing to sit down and share a painful yeah. part of your story for the benefit of other yeah. people. So, nah. mm. no, 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 I I feel it. I I mean, in the course of these past few years, I think one of the things that I've learned is, you know, we've always heard like misery loves 
company. And it was put in a bad sense. Like, ah, people that are mad love to be around people that are mad. But I think in the course of these past few years, I found misery needs company, right? Like, Mm. we actually need other people to sit with us in our grief and to remind us that it's not abnormal, right? That it is a very normal part of life. It doesn't make us less than the thoughts that we have when grief comes up. It doesn't make us, yeah, horrible people. Mm. It makes us human. And there's something about sharing Mm. our humanity in grief that frees us to be honest with one another and God. And that honesty helps us to really engage with God in a deeper sense. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. You know, there was there was a Jewish practice in a- ancient mm. Judaism called the the sitting Shiva, mm. right? And I always have to be very careful when I say that, you know, sitting right. Shiva, make sure I don't know <laughs> right, right, words right. there. But, um, but, you know, that's all, that's what it was all about. It was about yeah. someone who was experiencing grief. You just go and sit with them yeah. and be present uh, and just weep with them, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's so imperative. I think we've lost that in our culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know you're a pastor and I know that you're helping people in so many different respects, but you know, I think even as pastors, we struggle to create cultures in our churches and our spiritual communities where it's okay to acknowledge the brokenness right. and, and, and humanity, the grief that's part of yeah. humanity. We, we want to whitewash it so often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Until you go through it and then you find out, oh, I can't put up the veneer. I just don't have the strength to. And then it's crazy. Like, it's so counterintuitive when those, yeah, wall, when that thin veneer of being put together crumbles and the roots are exposed, that's actually the thing that endears us to people. And people finally Mm -hmm. look at us and feel the permission themselves to be human. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so good. Well, man, yeah. we're, you know, we're going to talk quite a bit about the loss of your brother, Sam. Yeah. And, yeah. But before we do that, I'd, I'd love for our listeners just to get to know you a little bit. What what, what do you, you know, tell us, tell us about your family, um, what, yeah. what you do and, and where you're from. All right. Yeah. So John Anwichek was born and raised in Houston, Texas, to a pair of Nigerian immigrants that came over about 50 years ago. Uh, dad is a pastor. Mom got her doctorate in education when she was working full-time, raising five kids. So that's the kind of family that I grew up with. Uh, Went to college at Baylor, master's at Dallas Theological, pursuing a doctorate at Emory right now. And I live in the West End, been married to my beautiful wife, Chandra, for, yeah, it'll be 15 years for us this fall. So I turned 38 (laughs) here in the next month. And yeah, 15 years. Um, we've got a beautiful five-year-old daughter, Ava, and, um, she's great. Uh, we bought her a dog for Christmas, a miniature poodle named Pretzel. And nobody (laughs) told me that when you buy a four-year-old, a dog, you really buy yourself a dog. So I bought myself (laughs) a miniature poodle that my daughter got to name. So that's our family. We live in the... Historic West End, um, Mm. when it comes to what I do, I think the word that I use now is and. So for Mm. 14 years, 13 and a half years, I was a full-time pastor. 
Um, And then when I started to write, then I was like, oh, pastor and author. Before the pandemic, me and a group of folks set out to start a coffee company aimed at trying to bring dignity and restoration to the West End. So I'm an entrepreneur and uh, we own Portrait Coffee uh, here in the West End, which... Uh, a, a couple weeks ago, Food and Wine did a list of the top 50 roasters in the U.S. by state. And Portrait Coffee Get in the of hood here. of the West End made that wow. list. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been crazy. And wow. so, yeah, so now I, I pastor a church. I write. Um, I work with a church planning network called the Creek Collective where we aim mm-hmm. to help plant churches in distressed and neglected communities of Color and so I get a chance just to tell stories, create content, and wow, it be so. And those are all the things that I do. Man, that's incredible. That's awesome. That's funny. You know, I had a a crisis like that a few years ago where I stepped away from being a full time local church pastor and started doing the ministry that we're doing right now. And it's the same thing. Uh, People ask me, "What do I do?" And I'm like, Uh, "I don't know." To be honest, right? Yeah. I just maybe maybe I just be I just try to be yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell stories so I think that's the thread that I found yeah. that weaves it all right it's what yeah. we do right so for so long we mm. told the greatest story I've, I've, I've ever told in a direct explicit sense to a group of people each week and now we get a chance to do that and show how that great story intersects with lives of people who don't want or don't think they want a direct connection to God. We just show them, oh, listen, there's an intersection God wants to intersect in your life. Yeah. That's great. Wow. That's so great. Well, you know, I I know a lot of those transitions happen in our life, maybe not as a direct result of of tragedy that we experience, oh, but a lot yeah. of times we have those existential crises where we go, yeah. what, what exactly, what, what am I doing? You know? And like, what's right. the purpose out of this? I know you've wrestled with that yourself. Why don't mm. you kind of jump back into your story and tell us a little bit about the loss of your brother and, yeah. and the impact that that has had on you? Yeah. So, um, this was, let me see, this was April, 2015. So two months before we planted the church that i pastor right now, seven years ago, my wife and I had experienced infertility for the first eight years of our marriage, um, unexplained. And so wanted to have kids and couldn't, well, it seemed like our friends were like, they had kids like, like every six weeks and they didn't even want them. Right. So we were on vacation, uh, preparing to meet a baby girl that we tried to adopt for over a year. And on April the 10th, they reached out to us and they said, I'm sorry, it's a no-go. Y'all aren't going to be able to adopt her. So we drive home, um, sad, heartbroken. I get on a plane April 14th, 2015, and I go to a conference where a friend of mine is preaching on Mm -hmm. heaven. Mm -hmm. I heard one message at the conference that I was supposed to speak at. And he preached on First Thessalonians 4, how we don't grieve as those who grieve when we lose loved ones because we have hope. That night at dinner, um, we're sitting at a steakhouse and I get a phone call from my mom. And, you know, I ignore it because it's like, that's ah, just my mom. She'll call back. Well, she keeps on calling 
So I take the phone from her and she, uh, or I take the call from her. She's like, hey, we're having problems tracking down your bigger brother. Can you just call around and find him? And, you know, a few calls later, I'm on the phone with my god brother. And I think I heard him say, oh, Sam passed out. And it's like, oh, he passed out. Is he okay? And he's like, no, 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 Sam passed away. And it was, right? And you know, like when you get that news, it's just surreal. It's like, nah, no, like what? And I just remember breaking down outside of the steakhouse, just being like, Sam's, Sam's dead, Sam's dead. And you know, it's funny the things you remember. Like I remember the faces of the people that were out there that I'll never see again. I remember like, not just that my knees were shaking, but how they shook. And it was just, like rented a car and my, you know, co-pastor, one of my best friends, Richard, drove me home from Orlando to Atlanta. And I was just sitting with the fact of he's gone. He's gone. And I feel like, you know, David, like that was him being gone was the second biggest surprise in my life. Um, The first biggest surprise of my life was how quickly my faith crumbled in the weeks to come, right? That it's, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, when he talked about, in Grief Observed, he talks about the death of his wife. One of the things that he says is that we imagine our faith to be a temple. But what grief does is it shows us that it's nothing more than a house of cards, and just how quickly it could fall. And that shocked me, right? Here I am six weeks away from planting this church. And now this made, like grief made me feel like a liar. It made me feel like everything I spent my whole life talking to people about the goodness of God. I don't just not believe it, but now I'm grieving the fact that I ever spent my time trying to convince people that that was true and my life was just it was just a a world when i mean and we'll talk more but it was like you know everything i I felt like it it came crumbling down and to this day it's a um here's the thing about grief david right like you know, people that have lo- gone through this, people that are listening to this podcast and they are transported back and they say, oh, I know how you feel like, right, man, right. how you do this each week. And it's like, so, I mean, I lost my brother and you lost your wife close to the same time. Like, it's yeah, right. crazy how you can just be transported back and you're yeah. reminded like grief doesn't have an expiration date, right? Mm, we yeah. Most people on the front end tend to think that it's like a loaf of bread, that it's fresh. And then as time goes on, it'll just kind of mold, crumble and mm-hmm. go away. But, but grief is like the non perishable can of greens at the yeah. back of the pantry. It could sit around for 50 years, wow. but something can crack it open and it feels just as fresh as it did the day that it, you know, took place. Right. So, yeah. So my life, it wasn't just shaped by that, right? It still is today very much being shaped by the loss of Sam. Man, sure. You know, that 
that phrase, grief made me feel like a liar. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's powerful, man. I mean, that, that's yeah. very, very poignant because yeah. I feel like all of us who have experienced grief, who had a faith yeah. foundation prior to it, we yeah. can resonate with that. We can say, yeah. oh, I know exactly what you mean because this, right. this thing that happened to me really, it shook me at the right. core. And it, cool. and it confronted my belief system saying, do I right. really, do I really buy into what I'm saying? I buy in now, especially as pastors, right. who, like what you said, we are, we are trying to convince people to buy into right. this thing. Right, right, right. And now you're confronted with this. Wow. I, I don't even know if I believe it. Right. If you can remember what were some of those things, like, can you, can you parse it down to specific questions that began to arise in your head that caused your faith to feel very fragile, if not completely upended, you know, yeah. what, is, what were some questions or doubts about God that, because I'm sure that it, there are people who are listening to this, that they're, they're in that place right now and they're going, yeah. man, that's the same thing I feel. Is it, can you identify some of those things? Yeah. So I think one of the most fundamental ones was, you know, the wisdom of God. Is God really as wise as he says that he is, right? Mm. So I think sometimes the danger of even engaging with stuff like this on, on the front end of your grief is you spend time trying to look with insight and figure out what God's trying to teach you right now. And oftentimes it's a mystery, right? So it's like, yeah. I would sit back and be like, yo, God, what are you doing? Are you trying to teach me humility? There's a million ways that you could teach me that right. without taking my brother. Yo, right. are you trying to teach me patience? I, yo, I know I lose my cool some, but there's a million ways that you could have done it. And you really get to a yeah. sense where it's like, like the questions of why God, which is a question that's wet cement kind of forms and right. firms into a, how could you God, which is more of an indictment than a question. Wow. And it's wow. like, yo, you're not as, you can't be as wise as you think that you are because wow. Any virtue that you were trying to produce in my life, I could rattle off. Te like, if we, if God, if you would have just, if you would have brought me in on this and we could have whiteboarded, yeah, I could have <laughs> given you, <laughs> you know, 10 ways that you could have made this better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the big thing was the wisdom of God and just not confident that he was as wise as he claimed mm. to be. Yeah. And um, that, wow, that why God being the wet cement that ends up <clears throat> firming into concrete that says, how could you, God? That's so good. Because yeah. we'll tell people a lot, John, it's it, it's almost imperative that you start with that question, why? Because you're it's gonna right. you're going to go there, right? That's one of the yeah. first places you're going to go. You look yeah. at it, you see it in, in the story of Job. You yeah. know, why? 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 Yeah. yeah. And yet, even though it's an imperative phase for us to go to, you have to move through why and begin to ask other questions, right? Right. But if you're not, right. if if you're not, um, if you're not moving in the in the right direction, which we can talk about in a second, right? And how that begins to catalyze in your life uh, actual healing and comfort and trust again in the right. Lord, catalyzing your life. If you're not moving in that direction, then you can move in the direction of exactly what you said. How could you? Which becomes could you? this indictment. 
And that's not to say that you can't, that God can't take that right. And move that into the right direction as well. That that's absolutely true. He can, and he does, and he will. But I think that's a really insightful thing I had not thought about before, John. It just moves into this. How could you question very quickly? Yeah. And then as soon as we start to indict, you know, when you're indicting somebody, you're not inquisitive, right? So you're not Mm. really trying to understand. You're trying to accuse and like prove, Mm. no, I was right with the accusation that I made. And now it becomes a war and an attack and a fight and not a like wrestle right so it's one thing to, i was just gonna say that it's like the yeah that's so interesting right it's like a you're either attacking or you're wrestling yeah and they seem to two very similar things but they're not right no 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 one is i'm trying to beat you into submission one is yeah. it's all right no 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 your god hope seems slippery here and i'm just mm-hmm. trying to like wrestle I, i'm just trying to hold on right i'm just trying to find my firm footing right mm. um i'm not trying to step on your throat and and that's the 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 hard thing and one of the wow. things that i would say is that i just want folks to know it was a as a pastor right and somebody who spends their life studying the scriptures and knowing what i should do and shouldn't do i i spent so much of my time condemning myself for the way that i felt instead of exploring why I felt the way that I oh, felt, right? It's so good. And so wow. it's saying I'd be mad and I'd say, yo, angry. I shouldn't be mad at God. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to wrestle my anger into submission and God, I'm not mad. And it's like, no, 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 no. I was pretending. I was yeah. angry. And if I would have just spent time and explored that and kind of leaned into it and went into it. Wow. I would have been reminded that grief is something to like go through. Like grief kind of feels like this fog, right? And if yeah. you've ever been at a place where there's a thick fog, sometimes the fog can feel so thick that it looks solid and you think yeah. you've got to go around it. But the thing about fog is it looks solid. But you can go through it. And even if you can't see your way through, it doesn't mean that you can't make your way through. And that's, yeah, great. Just being able to have somebody to hold you by the hand and, you know, walk you through that. Wow. Wow. That's so good. You know, we often say that our emotions that we are experiencing, no matter how extreme or negative they are, they're invitations from God. Oh, to step into deeper healing. They're not something for us to suppress or, or knock down or escape right. or try to box up, you know, but there, yeah. there's a reason we're experiencing those emotions. Right. And we're, and, and these are, these are things that God's using as a threat. Like if we pull the thread on those emotions, we'll find God. Right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. You know, here's, here's what's interesting to me, John. Um, we, we talk with people about all different types of pain, different avenues of pain, you know, everywhere from childhood yeah. trauma to, you know, abortion, regret and recovery to divorce to, but we, you know, because of my story and the way that this podcast started, we, we have a lot of people on who talk about loss, but mostly it's loss of a spouse right. or loss of a child. 
And if we're honest, those those two kind of avenues seem to be the ones that get the most attention when loss happens. Right. Yeah. Right. You, the, the focus kind of goes on, okay, who is the spouse of that person? Right. And, and, or, or if it's a parent that's lost a child, right. They go, you know, they kind of go to that, uh, but, but very rarely is there like a sibling focus or yeah. emphasis. And that's a yeah. unique type of pain it because is. here is somebody who has shared your upbringing, your origin. They are, they, they are a part of who you are. So, Inextric- you know, inextricably, yeah. they, you know, no matter what your relationship is like with your sibling, there is, there is a part of those, all those memories of your family of origin that you share with somebody else here on this earth now seem right. like they are gone. And this right. doesn't get brought into the focal point very often. I wonder if you can help us and enlighten us to maybe some of the uniqueness of sibling loss. Cause there's so many people yeah. that I know and who are listening to this, that that's, how they experience what they've experienced, but they don't, they don't feel like people understand the, the, yeah. the, the position or station they sit at right now. Yeah. 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 So here's one thing. It's like, um, so me and my wife have been married for 15 years. And so it's like, I've lived my adult life with her by my side. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm, I try to remember what life was like without her mm-hmm. and it's hard, but then my friends come around and we sit and talk and it's like, oh right. yeah, I, oh, had, yeah, a I had a life before her. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With my siblings, with siblings, that's not the case, right? It's a, uh, when I lost my brother, it's like, oh no, 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 no. I've never known life in this world without him. Mm. So he goes far, farther back than anything else. Right. And it's not mm. just that it's a, uh, you know, part of what makes it all hard too is, you know, this is the thing. It's like, um, when, like when I lost my brother, um, most people think that loss makes you want to draw closer to the rest of the people that you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does something unique in this. I lost my brother and he was actually the closest sibling that I had. And his loss didn't draw me closer to the rest of my family. It made me distance from them, right? Mm. Because what I instinctively did was I said, man, if it hurt this bad to lose him and I was closer Mm. to him than anybody else, then it's going to hurt. Like, why would I increase the bonds of relationship with them and make it harder to lose them? And so what I was trying to do was I was trying to protect myself from future grief, but all I did was rob myself of present joy. Right. And, but you just see how easy it is to justify that. And now the very people that God has put in your life as tools to help you work through that grief, you push them away and you get angry and, and you fight and the most unbreakable bonds now, collapse and it just makes life oh so complicated right and and so i think yeah that's something that's unique and then you just find yourself in a place where like life is life gets so complicated and that my brother had three kids um or he has three kids they were five three and one when 
when they got or when he passed, uh, last time I saw him, they were six, four and two. It's been six years since I've seen him. So they're 12 and it's been a I haven't seen them for lack of wanting to. It's that grief does crazy things to all of us. And now you have these relationships with family that are yeah. strained and it, 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 it just makes it, you know, incredibly hard. And then yeah. everything that, right, you think about like all your hopes and dreams, yeah. there's just so many other intersection points that causes grief to come back up. Me and my brother yeah. played ball our whole life. We talked about, um, Steph Curry, what things would look like when he got into the league. 2015 is the rise of this era of basketball, and I can't share it with him. He's walked through my whole journey with infertility. And now when I finally, when we adopt our daughter, and it's crazy, when we adopt our daughter, you know, two years to the date, like she was born premature, she was on a breathing machine two years to the date that my brother took his last breath. They took her off her breathing machine. Right. And it's like, I can't share that with yeah. him. And you just see how much of life is really, uh, yeah. 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 Man, it's just so yeah tough. It just makes you, you know, there's so many emotions that you feel, even as, I, right. as you're explaining this, there's so many emotions I'm feeling, you know, on right. your behalf. But one of those mo- emotions is it makes me angry, right? right. It, it mm. makes me really frustrated at the enemy. Yeah. Mm. At, the, at the fallen, broken nature of this world. Mm. You know, the fact that the enemy would, would leverage this kind of pain, this kind of loss and grief that's yeah. part of our humanity and he would use it to cause even more destruction in relationships and in, you know, I mean, wherever you're at, whatever context, whatever is around you, wherever you go, it it can breed this, this really complicated, messy thing. Yeah. And it just, it makes me frustrated. There's a whole discontent there, you know? Oh man. Yeah. And, and I know it does the same for you, right? As you're thinking like, why, why, like not only is there this loss of, of this person I love, but all of these other ancillary subsequent losses that, that ensue because of it. And it's like, when, when is this going to be made right? Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's it. Those are the things that you sit with. John, I wonder, you know, if you can, um, if you can track for us a little bit of, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about how your world just kind of got upended and, and you started wrestling with all these, these emotions that made you feel like a liar, made you feel like that you, right. you know, w- you no longer believed what you were trying to convince everybody else to believe. Yeah. And I know it wasn't overnight because it's not no. usually overnight for any of us. Right. We, God, we want God to heal and poof. He heals in process is what we always say. Right, 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 right. I wonder if you can help us understand a little bit of that process and that journey. When, when did you begin to go, wait, God, like, okay, I'm beginning to believe in your goodness again. I'm beginning to, because I'm assuming that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. If oh, no. that weren't the case, right? You have now right. been in some ways, the goodness of God has been restored into you probably even more so now on this oh, side. Of let me tell you, 
Yeah. Oh, it's right. The holes that were dug up in my faith weren't purposeless, right? It's a, um, I live in Atlanta and they're building tons of buildings there. And so there were these like, there's this places in the ground where the hills are, uh, or the ground isn't yeah, level. And so I see them and they have this picture of this big building that they're getting ready to put in. And their first step is digging out that hole. And you can think like, no, no, wait a minute. Y'all are supposed to build a building. You're going yeah. backwards. Yeah. You're creating a deeper <laughs> hole. And they're like, no, 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 no. Unless we create that hole, we're not going to be able to put a strong enough foundation to hold it. And that's what I wow. saw that God did. So over the course of the next year, my life spiraled out of control. So you talk about a raging optimist for 30 years of his life being severely depressed to the point where I knew something was wrong when I didn't get a parking spot and I rolled down my window and I cussed out the people that took my parking spot on purpose. And I think like, yo, what, what's happening? Yeah. And so I call my wife, call my best friend, Trip, call Richard. And I just tell them and they don't scold me. They're like, yeah, yo, it's okay. Let's walk through this. So then my church granted me a sabbatical about a year later. And so I have a month where I don't have anything to do. And this is the crazy thing. It was actually the book of Ecclesiastes that helped to lift me up out of my sorrow, right? <laughs> where, all right, look, uh, I was like, yo, life is meaningless, meaningless. I yeah, hate it here. Yeah. And I felt that way because I lost it all. Well, then you pick up this book and you read it. And there's a guy that says, yo, meaningless, meaningless. And you're like, yo, yo, wait a minute. I know I'm here because I lost it all, but there's somebody else that made their way to the same destination, but they had it all. It Wait a minute. Everything. If we yeah. both, if we're, if we're both here and we have different circumstances, maybe I was wrong in feeling like my joy was tied to circumstances. Maybe there's another way. And that was the thing that made me start to think, all right, wait, wait, wait. maybe there is a way to, um, gain hope even when things feel hopeless. Maybe hope is not as distant as I thought. And so it was wow. reading through that book, being in counseling, being surrounded by people that helped me walk through it and helped me see, you know, gr they, they helped me see the transparency of grief. Grief feels like yeah. a thick fog. It feels opaque, like you can't go yeah. through. And somebody just holds your hands and walks you through and says, no, 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 you can walk through. Um, and it was feeling the permission to be honest with God about where I was and realizing that God didn't scold me. God mm -hmm. understood. And I remember being in the pulpit and like just breaking down and weeping and all of these times. Oh. And the people that were in our church were just so gracious. And it was crazy oh. because I've, I've been pastoring since I was 22 and here I am 31, like crying and snotting in the pulpit. And it's the first time that I really felt that 
my worth or my value to people was um, my value to people was wasn't tied to my usefulness to them, mm. right? Wow. And that was the thing that made me feel like, oh God, maybe there's, maybe there's, you know, something here. And it was just wow. Ecclesiastes, that book, just the sobriety that comes in the fact of no, nothing in life is going to be everything that we hoped that it would yeah. be. Right? That's yeah. what life is like. And once you grab onto that truth then you find yourself, you know, learning to live the life of your dreams by enjoying the life that you have, right? Not, yeah. not like trying to escape the bitterness, but starting to lean in to it. Um, and, mm -hmm. and you notice some of the subtle sweetnesses that God has left behind. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's rich, bro. Yeah. That's like, I mean, when you, when you begin to, you know, I, I think I really resonate with that. Even that one notion right there of my, my value was no longer tied to my usefulness to right. and And I think, and maybe it's because we're both pastors or, you know, right. we, we have been, or we are whatever we're, and we help people, right? right? That's what we're right. And so we tend to adopt our, our identity begins to get so tethered to this idea of like, well, you know, people love me because I help them and because right. I bring them insight. I bring them something right. fresh that they walk out of, you know, when I preach, they feel inspired. And so they come back right. and that's why they love me. And so, and, but you're explaining how you were met with this community of people that saw you in, at your worst, at your yeah. ugliest, and they still yeah. loved you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and what they to unravel that for you and go, wait. Absolutely. Oh, wait, like I don't I don't have to be anybody's hero or savior. Yeah. I can just be a human and ordinary. And I was reminded, no, I can be one of the sheep here at the church. Wow. Like I don't have to be the chief shepherd. And it just Yeah. yeah it, it, it changes you. Right. Yeah. yeah and, um, yeah. 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 Did you find that, you know, was it, was it tempting in that process to get pulled back into like almost, um, dismissing or putting aside your own grief that you need to work through to help other people work through their own, you know, their mess or whatever's going on in their life and stuff. Like were, were you, did, did yeah. it feel like a tug of war sometimes? So when we started our church, we found ourselves in a unique space where um, it was a young church full of 30-somethings. In those first few months, you know, everybody lost somebody. So one mm. of our good friends lost his sister to cancer the month after Sam lost. One of my best friend's mm. wife lost her grandfather. The day that the church launched, June 7th, it was great lots of people. And then we get a call that night that my wife loses her grandmother and on and on and on. It was like that for like three weeks. So, or every three weeks, yeah. something would take place until January of the next year. We buried um, a church member that Man. we baptized on the same day. My mother-in-law was baptized and 
it was this it was this thing that made us um really that uh since so much grief came through it was hard but there was no time to pretend and mm. so i mm. feel like that the lord like knitted our hearts together but the lord yeah. also like so uniquely used that time just to birth in us this. And I think this is one of the biggest truths that helped me out is uh, we stopped trying to, in the moment, gain insight on what God was doing through grief, right? And here's what I mean. Mm. We tend so much to try to use our insight, right? Mm. To try to make sense of what God's trying to do in the world. When instead, we should be using our hindsight, right? Mm. So it's like this. Wow. Like, God works in mysterious ways, and we're not detectives. So we're not going to figure out what God (laughs) is doing. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 is going to say, oh, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to die, and and it's going to give these lists. We yeah. so desperately want to choose what side of the list that we're on, but you find out you you can't choose. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes wow. on and says, yo, God has put eternity on their hearts so that nobody will know what comes after them. And it's this way of saying, no, no, look, 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 look. Instead of working on your insight, you need to work on your hindsight, right? Wow. You need to look behind you and you need to be reminded that if God mm-hmm. doesn't change that his past acts of faithfulness mm. aren't like an album of his greatest hits. His past acts of faithfulness are really a, f- a future promise to remind us of the good that he would do. So it was wow. at those points that we would just hold on to the promises of God. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what good you're going to bring out of this, but I know this is what you do. All right. From the beginning of the world. Yeah. You said things were dark and you spoke by the power of your word. And it was your business to bring beauty out of chaos. Nobody coerced you. All right. We trust that you're going to do it. And I just pray that you would sustain me in the meantime. Don't Mm. let me fall away. Don't let me trip too bad, God. And it was uh, when we started to hold on to the promises of God, we realized um, that it's like, Oh, no, no, this is the case. All of God's people, every one of God's people goes through seasons of doubt where what God says doesn't line up with who he is. And it was focusing on who God was in the past was the thing that um, drew our affections closer to him more than trying to find out what he was trying to do in the process. Wow. Wow. Bro, that is amazing. Insight. (laughs) We try to go insight. And we need to look at hindsight and that's so true, right? Like, I mean, we're not going to be able to predict what's happening in our future. And yet there's something really interesting about the fact that God works. It seems like God works in cycles. He works in patterns. He works in rhythms, right? And so we can trust those rhythms and those patterns because we see those laid out throughout history and throughout his throughout the scripture, right? And throughout yes, yes, yes. his faithfulness. And so we can trust in those, in the, the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And yet we cannot predict where we are in that cycle or where we are in that right. or where we are in that, man, 
That's so interesting. And I think I'm like dumbstruck by it right now because I'm reading a couple of, um, I, you know, I hate the word like secular and sacred, but I'm reading some like secular yeah. books right now on like right. market cycles and trends and, you know, all of these things of, uh, you know, these, the, 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 the changing of world order and all this stuff. And it's right. like people are trying to predict where we are as a nation on the curve of our existence. And, you know, and it's like, okay, I, I see where you're going. You're taking all of this data from the past and right. you're, you're using that to try to, you know, um, presuppose where we are in that cycle and what's come, what's to come. Right. But the truth is, is we just don't know. We don't and while know. that data is helpful, right? It helps us yeah. to see these trends. We just don't know where we are. We, we don't. Wow. And it's like this, right? So it's like this, right? Um, I tell you I love tuna fish sandwiches. Love tuna fish. <laughs> I didn't know how it was made until we got married. So here I am. I love tuna fish. I hate mayo. So my wife is in the <laughs> kitchen one day and I see her about to put the mayo in the tuna. I say, yo, 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 what are you doing? Like, stop. <laughs> I, I hate that stuff. And she's like, no, 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 John, look, look, look. All right. You don't know how this is made. So I want you to know mayo, you hate it, but you hate it by itself. Right. What? When I mix this in with this, it creates right. the dish that you love. Something love that it. you hate is necessary to produce what you love. And yeah. if you would just trust me and let me cook, when you yeah. get the finished product, then I think you'll enjoy it. Our problem is we stand over God's shoulder and we try to judge his goodness mm. while he's working. And it's wow. saying, no, 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 you're on inside. Let him finish. Once yeah, he's yeah. done, then judge if he's good or not. Yep, but yep. you can't judge his canvas before he's done painting. Mm. And it's that reality that gives us the ability to just like, all right, mm. I'm going to sit. All right, listen, my act of faith, it's not saying that I got to have a s smile on my face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's saying, all right, I'm going to sit now. I'm going to sit and wait and we'll see if you really do what you say that you would do. Yeah. And I think that it's like seven years later, right? right. It's right. uh yo, like you even look at what's going on now and it's like with you and nothing is wasted. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you wouldn't or couldn't, have charted out this course for your life. You couldn't have written that story, right? I chance. could never have written a story of April 10th, we would have a failed adoption. April the 14th, my daughter would take her unassisted breath, or, or, or a, a, I, we never could have written April 10th, failed adoption. April 14th, Sam takes his last breath. Mm -hmm. Two years later, April 10th, we get a call that we can adopt our baby girl. April yeah. 14th, on Good Friday, reflecting on the day that Sam died, 
I'm reading her a chapter of J.I. Packer's book on adoption. As she's an infant, the doctor whisks her out of my arms. And before I protest, he says, today's the day that she's going to breathe on her own. She takes her first breath the day that Sam took his last breath, the day that our Savior took his last breath en route to us waiting for a few days for him to breathe again and promise that his resurrection is not just one of a kind, but it's the first of its kind. And now I'm reminded of that story as tears are flowing down my cheeks and tears of sorrow and tears of joy, not knowing which one is which because they taste the same, but being reminded that God's going to wipe them all away right at some point in time. And, but we could never write about the goodness of God that way. Right. 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 And, um, but we've got to let them cook. We've got to let them finish. And it's hard and it feels impossible, but the people in our lives help us see it's not impossible. And they hold us up when we can't hold ourselves up. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes says he makes all things beautiful in his time. In his time. And that sounds so cliche, man. What a wonderful coffee cup verse, but it is true. It is true. The hard reality of that is leaning into in his time. Yeah. Mm, it's, not a, it's not on our time. It's not our time. That's why, man, John, that's what I love about the psalmist says, Psalm 23, at the end, verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Follow me. All the days of my life. Mm. And I started thinking, I was preaching about that one time, and I, I and it was in the midst of my grief, and I'm going, I don't I, I don't feel it, God. I don't feel that goodness and mercy right. are following me right now. And, and the Lord nudged me. He said, this was in the middle of a sermon. You know how this happens, right? In the middle of a sermon, right, and we right, stop, right. and everybody's like, is he okay? Like, gets real awkward for a moment. The Lord nudged me right, right in the middle of the sermon. He said, Davey, you don't know something's following you until you look back. Mm, there we go. There There's we the go. Hindsight. There we go. There mm. we go. Mm. Well, talk to me about this, John. You know, yeah. um, you just said it. Nobody could write this story the way that, that God writes the story. Yeah. Um, there have been probably some things that have, you know, uh, diverged in your story because of this, because of this wrestling that you went through. Yeah. You know, there's some things where you're like, man, I, I would have thought my life, I would have been going down this path at this point, pursuing yeah. this purpose, this mission, doing this thing. But because of this really pivotal thing that took place in my life and the wrestlings with the Lord and the, 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 the fruit that was birthed out of that, this is what I'm doing now, you know, pain, Pain to purpose, right? What, yeah. What kind of purpose right now are you experiencing solely because of what you've walked through? So this is so my life right now. It's shaped me, and I realize the power of story. And so it's like this, right? So um, I just wrote a book. We go on finding purpose in all of life's joys and sorrows and the yeah. aim of that Which, by book, the way we're going to give away a copy of that so make sure okay. you follow nothing is wasted ministries on instagram Don't. to get your copy of john's book yeah. all right well so the goal of of it was really birthed out of this, right? Tragedy hits and we don't feel like we can go on. We know that life goes on but we feel right. like we can't. And kind of th- this was the thing that like crystallized for me people tend to look at tragic endings like a death sentence. Mm. And I found out that my role or what I want to do in life is I want to change the punctuation. Mm. I want to erase the period and I want to put in a comma or a 
a semicolon say, no, 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 no. This story goes on, right? Yeah, um, right. For the past four years now, I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. It's great when I'm on the East Coast. I'm in mm. Phoenix right now. And so I've been up since, you know, 1.30 this time. <laughs> but, yo, know, here's the beautiful thing about 4 a.m. Um, is it looks like midnight. Mm. It looks like it's pitch black and dark. The only thing that tells me that it's a new day is the clock. And so mm. when I wake up at 4 a.m., I've either got to trust my surroundings, how I feel, or I have to trust what the clock says, right? right? If I trust what the clock says, then I can rise and get up and get to work and wait on my circumstances to catch up. It's a, yeah. this daily act of hopeful defiance that reminds me the state of my soul doesn't have to be affected by the state of my surroundings, right? right? My right. joy doesn't have to be tethered. My circumstances aren't elevator buttons. Good ones don't make me go up. Bad ones don't make me go down. Mm. And I feel like now it's helped me see it's like, no, no, oh, this is what I'm meant to do that I think so many people have gone through so many various kinds of grief. And right. what I'm not trying to do is jump in and say, I know exactly how you feel. Do this, do this. Yeah. But there's something powerful about even what we do and just right. telling our story, talking in a way where eavesdroppers are welcome and they can drop in and they say, you gave me words to what I felt. You've mm. provided me with what I need to be able to take this next step. And I just really, this was the thing that helped me see, you know, honesty and mm. hope most people think they're parallel streets that you have to yeah. choose one. Yeah. You can be frank about how bad things are, or you can be hopeful about mm. how good things are, but you have to choose <laughs> one. Yeah. And I say, no, they intersect. That's right. That you can actually stand on the corner and say, no, 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 listen, mm. it's actually my honesty digging that ditch really, really low that gives me the ability to build a hope that right. stands and can withstand the greatest trials. And it's a right. lesson that um, I never would have chosen for myself. And it's mm. a ministry that I never would have chosen for myself. So even on this side of things, there's a, re a very real part of me that's like, all of that stuff is great, yeah. but I would have been very content to listen to somebody else tell me and for me to learn vicariously mm -hmm. through them. And, uh, mm. yeah, man, yeah. John, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away, man. This has been a, a wonderful yeah. conversation. Um, oh, thank you, man. I just, you know, <clears throat> for, for everyone that, that I, I get an opportunity to talk to about their tragic story. I, I hate that they've walked through it, but man, I'm just, I'm so encouraged by what the Lord yeah. is doing in you and through you and yeah. the, the impact you're making because of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, each one of our stories have this moment where we've, we could go one way or the other, right? right. It's a very critical crossroads type moment. And, yeah. and we all kind of stand at that precipice going, I could very easily see myself going right. that way. Yeah. Which gives us empathy for other people, right? That who have gone Absolutely. that way. We're like, I can totally yeah. see that. 
But man, praise God that you've chosen to lean into this and Amen. let the Lord do his work in your life. Yeah. And I can just sense it and tell it that you're already having such a tremendous impact in the kingdom and you're going to continue to have that impact. Oh, thank you, and man. So, man, thank thanks you, for man. being vulnerable with us and sharing with us. Oh. Where can we follow what you're doing? If we want to get more of, yeah. uh, of you and, and what, what the journey yeah. God has you on and follow all of this, because I know it's not, yeah. it's not done. Yeah, so um, it's funny. Social media lately has been the hardest. Like, I follow people there, but I get so much of the stuff that I don't want to. So I'm trying yeah. to <laughs> cure, curate a place where folks can go. So YouTube, uh, one mm. of the things that we set out to do was we basically put out this three-part mini-doc series yeah. on my journey through grief. So you can go to... Um, youtube.com slash uh mr j a w n o so i mean i'll send you the link you can leave yeah we'll put it right here in the show yeah for sure so youtube um and it's uh yeah socials right i'm easy to find twitter and ig but um substack now is the place where i'm like ah there's just so much more to these convos that i really Mm. want they need more than 280 character threads. And so I started a yeah weekly newsletter where people can come and tap in. And this Great. summer we'll be going to seven cities to uh, try to have some of these conversations nice. in person. Right. So, yeah, nice. yeah you can tap I, in I and check that, in man. on all that. Yeah. We're in a society right now where everybody wants the soundbite, the quick and the easy <sighs> and the, you know, and it's like, that has its place, but when we're when we're really talking about wrestling with the mysteries of God, yeah, and trying to to uncover what what's going on in our own pain and our own grief, yeah. there's no way, there's no way yeah. you can do sound bites. No way at all. No, you can't. So I love that you're doing that, man. You're telling yeah. stories. You're digging yeah. in and wrestling, having conversations, and yeah. um, we'll make sure we put that all in the show notes so you guys can okay. check out everything there. And um, man, John, thanks so much for for spending some time with us today and sharing vulnerably with your story. Thank you, man. Ah, this is awesome. Thank you, brother. Man, I'll tell you what, I want to have more conversations with, with John on Oh man, he is powerful. I'm like, powerful. Not only was he like, I mean, everything, it was just resonating in my spirit. I'm like, this is what we say all the time. This is amazing. But like, yeah, it just, it felt like a kind of a brotherhood. I think we both felt that in that conversation. We were like, man, this just mm. feels like we are a kindred mm. spirit right here. That's so and cool. it, you know, when that happens, Aubrey, here's what my mind goes to. It's my three brain goes to this. It's like, how do we do ministry together? <laughs> what That's can we what do I do. What can we yeah. do together? That's how I always. I like, was thinking he's very, nothing is wasted. Back. So yeah. there's got to be some. <laughs> There's some there's some connections the Holy Maybe Spirit one day. will make. You never know. I believe it. Yeah, you never, know. You never God, know. God builds His kingdom with divine flow through relationships. It's, I it's love beautiful. That. Speaking of yeah. relationships, we have the community platform. We told you that we would we would respond to this question. So there was a question Such that was posted. A good question. Phenomenal question that was posted on the community platform. Many of our certified coaches began engaging, and some other folks started engaging and answering this question, kind of giving some mm-hmm. responses. Phenomenal responses. And so we wanted to kind of, uh, have, have an opportunity to also wrestle through this question as well. Okay. So here was the question. Does anyone else struggle with theology that says everything that happens in life, especially all of the painful parts of our stories is all part of God's plan. 
This has been one of the reasons that I haven't wanted to have intimacy with God. If he Mm. allows, or even worse, causes tragic things to happen, as some say, Mm. then how can he be trusted? I've heard so many times people say in one way or another that whatever happens is okay or will be okay Mm. because he brings good out of it. Mm. Somehow, though, the good never negates the bad or from what I have both seen and am currently experiencing even makes it worth it. Mm. I don't want my daughter's death to be... Ooh, just kind of pause for a second, yeah. let that sit in. Like, wow. <clears throat> mm. I don't want my daughter's death to be necessary for anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah. N- nobody would blame you for feeling that. Um, yeah. Whew. And and I don't know what to do or how to reconcile that and mm-hmm. trust God in the future. Any insight yeah. would be helpful. I know people have many different beliefs. Trauma and tragedy really work through to test Mm. and cement those beliefs. That is true. That is true. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a byproduct of the intensity of the painful experiences, at least from what I've observed. Mm. Yeah. Wow. What a great. First of all, wonderful question. question. I was just thinking. Second of all, thank you for being vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, and asking that question. That's why this, that's why that space exists. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. To ask a question like that and not know yep. if you're going to get responses and then not know yep. what kind of responses you're going to yep. get. So we, we want to honor that and we want to, we mm-hmm. want to do our best in our limited, finite mm-hmm. knowledge um, and understanding it. We want to do our best to, to wrestle through that with you. So Aubrey, do you want to kind of take yeah. that first? Do I want to take the hardest theological question that there is? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the, the existence, this is the existence of evil question, right? And yeah, the kind of theodicy right. question, it, how can God be good? And the, I, so this, the hard part is this is this paradox holding the reality that God is good and evil is evil at the same yeah. time is I think one of the most challenging and real aspects of our faith. And I mean, it is an act of faith because it is actually choosing to say there are unspeakable, horrific atrocities in this world. Look, we just had a school shooting in uh, the Dallas area, Uvalde, last weekend, last week. Uh, That should not have happened. That is an evil, unspeakable atrocity. And it would be... um, disingenuous, inauthentic, and I think really, really damaging for us to go, but God had a plan. God's going to make it all turn out for good. Like there are, I mean, this is the difficult thing about evil because it is so chaotic and it is so unspeakable. You just cannot wrap it up in any type of package that makes it potable for people. And we shouldn't try to. I just, I think that is actually the wrong move. Yeah. And that's where Christians go wrong and awry so many times. Yeah. Yep. They want to, they want to balance the scales of grief, like, and do God's job. Right. And, and go, well, this happens so that X, Y, Z. No, 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 no. Just like we want to defend God's like some kind of defense there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to get better at being like, oh no, no, that's evil. Yeah. Just stop there. It is yeah. okay to grieve and lament and say this is horrific. Don't you think some of it is, is because Aubrey, we like don't like we don't feel comfortable with that. Certainly, we don't feel right? comfortable with it. No, and no, so no. And who could? Right? right? Like. Right. So, anyways, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I'm no, 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 no. You're you're totally right. So I I think this is the question, and I think this is um, holding both of those things at once. Evil's evil, and God's goodness is is the is the act of faith 
ultimately, yeah. bottom line. Um, I also, I, I personally don't believe that God causes um, cancer, school shootings, evil. Like, I just really believe that's the work of the enemy. I do that's believe right. that there is a, is a real spiritual enemy. Yeah. Um, it, we've seen so much evil over the past two and a half years. I don't know how anybody could not think evil is real. That's right. Um, but this is where two things. We lean into what we, like, you know, this is probably too, like, theological, but Davy, mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this on the show before. We yep. lean into what we call already not yet, mm-hmm. which is that we know on the cross Jesus not only died for our personal sins, but also defeated the powers of hell and evil right. and death by his death. And by his resurrection. And we experience down payments, deposits of that now. Mm. But because we're in that not yet, we are still waiting for the day that Revelation 21 talks about when Jesus will one day bring a swift and decisive end to evil forever and make all things new. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. And so this is where while we live on earth, like there just aren't great answers, but we have the resource of God, the presence of God, and the hope of his promises of Revelation 21, that like all shall be well because of the power of his death and his resurrection. And we're looking forward to his return. In the meantime, man, we need each other and we got to borrow each other's faith and we have to cling to the things that we're hoping for, even in really, really unspeakable things. But no, I don't think anyone, the woman that shared this question, I don't think her daughter's death is necessary. I no. think that's an act of evil. And we Absolutely. get angry about that as followers of Jesus. Jesus Absolutely. got angry about death. That's right. We know that Jesus is ultimately has power and authority over death. And we'll see that in the end. We right. will. Right. Yeah, that's so true. That's so good, Aubrey. That was very, um, just very well put. I, I think, again, to go back to the way I would respond to this is to go back to the reality of that, that, that this is not part of God's plan. Right, right. It's not at all. Yeah. In fact, I, I kind of, I think we see a glimpse of that in John chapter 11 with Jesus as he approaches the scene with Lazarus' mm. death. Yes. Yes. Now, although he chose to wait and stay, you know, when mm-hmm. he could have come immediately to heal Lazarus mm-hmm. from the sickness as Mary and Martha indicted him and as the disciples mm-hmm. were insistent with him, but he yeah. could have, but he decided to wait. Now there's a whole lot of theological implications and wrestlings within that as well. Right. Right. <clears throat> but as he approaches the scene, we see in this very poignant, powerful, shortest verse in the Bible that, but might pack the most punch of any verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Yeah. And and I have to ask the question, why did he weep? Because he knew what he was about to do. He knew he was right. going to resurrect Lazarus. Right. So like if in his, if he was operating through that lens, he wouldn't have wept. He would have been like, guys, why are you weeping? Stop crying. You know, this is not, it's all going to be okay. It'll work out. This is a, this is a resurrection. Let's go. Right. This is, this is not what he does. He weeps. Mm -mm. Yep. And it, and, and the, the reason that scripture implies that he weeps is because he looks out and he sees everybody else mourning. And I think there's a couple things that happen right there. I believe that Jesus sees the suffering of humanity, the, the whole plan, so to speak, has gone awry yeah, because yeah. of sin, Yeah, right? The perfection of creation, the way God intended originally for us to exist with him in perfect peace and harmony and shalom in the garden, mm-hmm. that has gone completely awry. And now we're in this yeah. like critical moment, which happens to be right before Jesus is going to the cross right. to bear the burden of that for all of humanity, right? right? Right. And I think he's overwhelmed in this moment going, this is not how it was supposed to be. That's right. 
And so, so Jesus has entered into the suffering, which tells us a whole lot about Jesus, right? Which mm-hmm. is counter to any other uh, religious worldview yep. and figurehead that anybody yep. else can espouse. Yeah. Because everybody else, all other political, religious worldviews and and figureheads, they kind of look into suffering. Mm-hmm. And they speak about the suffering. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows it well. He's very yeah. well acquainted with grief. And so we right. serve a high priest who mm-hmm. knows our suffering intimately. That's right. That's right. Who can empathize with us. Yeah. And so there, there's that. This was not part of God's plan, right? And so it's gone awry. Now we talk about in the Pain to Purpose course, and we've talked about it on the podcast, we've overviewed this a little bit, kind of the four perpetrators of pain, why they're there four main reasons there are pain, you know, fallen and broken world, other people's sinful choices, my own sinful choices, and the spiritual battle that's going on. Yeah. Um, none of which, though, God is to blame for. Yeah. And that's where we often try to put the, the onus or the blame is on God, right? Where right. We go, right. Right. Now, it does cause a lot of questions to, to arise when we go, well, but God's all powerful. Could he not have prevented this from happening? Could he not have stopped this? And in some right. cases, we see that in Jesus, that he reverses things, that he stops mm-hmm. things, that he mm-hmm. intervenes. So why did he choose to intervene here and not here? And I think if you can get to that place, right? <clears throat> I, I, and I, let me put a pause, like, let me just pause for a second, because I'm talking about this very cerebrally right now, yeah. like yeah. very yeah. rationally, very, okay. This is a whole lot of work that I've had to do personally and yes. intimately with the Lord yes. to wrestle through the loss of, yeah. of my wife, right? And go, now I connect with God very cerebrally. That's part mm-hmm. of the way I connect. If I can begin to like wrestle with and go, okay, as I start to put this together rationally, but yeah. there are moments like in this space, right? If you can get all the way to the place where well, this wasn't God's plan, he's not to blame for this, but he did allow it. Hold on a second. Why did he allow this? Right. That's where it butts up against the rationale for me. Yeah. That's where I go. I I can't reasonably explain why God allowed this. Mm-mm. Was Amanda's death necessary for anything to take place? Well, people could point to and go, well, nothing is wasted. Wouldn't have been birthed. And all these people have been helped and all this kinds of, well, okay, great. But is that worth it? Right. Right. I, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. If I say, no, that wasn't worth it. Then that dis- <laughs> that dismantles every one of you guys who have been impacted yeah, by this and, and yeah. healed in your own. Right. So it's like, right. no, sorry guys, it wasn't worth it. And then at the same time, I'm like, but if I say, yes, it was worth it. No, that's not how I feel. Right. Of course not. I would trade it in a heartbeat. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we live in this, as you just said, this reality of like, I don't know I'm, this already not yet. I don't know. Like I can't. Yeah. I, I'm living in this present reality of, I didn't, I didn't foresee this happening and, and mm-hmm. you didn't foresee what happened to you in your life. Mm-hmm. And and yet there, there's a space that God meets us in that. Yeah. yeah. And that is where I would encourage every person listening to this, that even though it doesn't make any sense, and even though it can cause these emotions and this anger and this frustration and this confusion toward God, that again, as we mentioned in the last podcast, if you go to God with that frustration— he will begin to give you the personal insight into the mysteries yeah. of your yeah. own story Yeah, that will provide a healing salve onto your heart. Yeah. I, what the temptation is, is for me to explain, hey, here's how God showed up for me and showed me peace in the midst of this, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Not like reason or, or explanation or anything. He gave me peace and contentment mm-hmm. in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. It, but my temptation would be to superimpose that into or project that into your story. I can't do that. God showed that me, yeah. to me personally. Yeah. I can share with you how he did for me, but it, like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen differently for you. Yeah. Where God's going to show up and he's going to like, as long as you're leaning into him with these questions, he's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to make himself known as we said, and, and, and it's going to right. bring this. And that's where he ultimately, his plan out of all of this pain is to ultimately bring us back to Shalom. That's right. And Shalom is a peace that passes all understanding. And we can get to Shalom here on this side, the, 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 the not yet side of yeah. things, we can yeah. still get to shalom and peace. Yep. Yep. And then, and then one day there'll be final and full restoration where J.R.R. Tolkien says in, in like the whole Lord of the Rings series where he renders all things sad, untrue. Beautiful. Where it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where I think we begin to see beauty in the midst of this absolute tragedy. Um, that doesn't mean it's worth it. That doesn't mean that there's a necessary, like it, that, that one has to precede the, that's not what that means. What it means is that there is the two that can exist simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's think such that's, a good question. Whew. Yeah. And that's only scratching question. the surface guys. Right. Like, right. Here's, here's what we'll do with this episode. I'm going to put a link to several books that helped me. Aubrey, I don't know if you Great have any idea. books that, that yeah, you that kind of as you wrestle through this. Like mm-hmm. you're talking about like pages and volumes of these really dense thinkers mm-hmm. who like wrestled through all this stuff. You know, yes. like a grief observed was really important for me to read yep. from C.S. Lewis, yep. where he wrestled yep. through all of this himself. And so yep. we'll put a link to to a blog post that that I've done and Aubrey will get some books from you that that, that you would suggest as well. Where if you yep. want to go wrestle with this stuff, go wrestle with it. And um again, we would encourage you to to post and, and ask questions and comment about this on um, the community platform and, uh, and then come go to nothingiswasted.com. We've got a lot of resources there available to you to help you take back your story. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that through the pain to purpose course, through hiring a certified coach to help you walk through and wrestle through some of this stuff, some great resources available as you're wrestling through this. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Uh, You can find his music wherever it is you download your music, stream your music. And we love engaging with you on social media, especially over topics like this. I mean, this is like our passion, our heart, if you can tell. So you can um, connect with us on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, at Bob Samp. Next week, we're joined by Megan Smalley. Mm. Uh, She's a powerhouse of a woman and is really doing a lot of work around the pain point of infertility. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davey's conversation with Megan. So, I mean, like every young couple or most young couples, I would say, I never thought that infertility would be part of our story. I'm one of four kids. My parents had no trouble whatsoever getting pregnant. My mom had four kids in six years. And so I just didn't think that it would be part of our story as I think this is something with a lot of struggles, like you're blindsided. Some you can see coming on, but a lot of them, they blindside you. And that was my part of my story. I, I didn't 
expect for this to be our journey. And so I ha- I went through, I mean, we started trying. It wasn't working. We went to the doctor and were blindsided with issues. And um, we were 27 and 28 and in a fertility clinic surrounded by what I felt like were a lot of older people. And I, you know, you go to the doctor and there are like all these posters with parts, body parts and like little, um, I, I don't know, like replicas of body parts on the doctor's desk. And you're just like looking around, like, how is this my life? And how are we here?